morning, everyone. So great to be with you this morning. I've been really enjoying our series on togetherness. We've been going through one chapter in the Bible, which is kind of a unique thing we've done. We haven't done that very much, but it's been, uh, I think it's been a, a fantastic experience. And I get to contribute by talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 26. And the question that we want to ask today is where does God's spirit empower us, or how rather does God's spirit empower us to be together? What does God's spirit do that allows us to be a spiritual family, to be a community? Uh, how does God's spirit empower us to be a natural family? Or whatever size, how, do, how does God enable us to be together? Well, there's two things that he does. The first thing that God's spirit does is unify us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, it says, we were all baptized. Now the word baptized means to be washed or purified. We were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. So what has God's spirit done? Is he's purified us in order to be together. Think of, um, think of gluing two pieces of, of wood or something together. Now, if those surfaces have contaminants on them, if they're dirty, then you actually can't glue them together. They need to be purified or washed, and then they're able to, uh, to be together. Well, this is exactly what God's Spirit does. He purifies us of contaminants so that we're able to be one. We're able to be part of the body of Christ. So here's where it gets interesting. What is the thing that God's spirit purifies us of? What, what is the, what's the contaminant that he needs to address in order for us to be together? Well, I would like to introduce this word uh, called identities. Now, what identities are, is they're caricatures of who we are and of how we perceive ourselves. Um, we see this in the verse that we were purified by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. So the idea is, is that whether you, so whether you consider yourself a Jew or a Greek, whether you're a slave or, a, 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 or free, that you have been cleansed of those alternate identities that actually become a contaminant that doesn't allow us to be together. Isn't that fascinating? that these are the things that divide us. In Galatians 3.28, it says, it's even more to the point, it says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave, neither slave nor free, nor is there male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, what does that mean? Do we, uh, when we become Christians, do we stop being male and female? Well, that's ridiculous. Do we stop uh, having our ethnicity? Well, obviously not. We don't even change our jobs. So what does it mean that we're not any of those things in order for us to be one in Christ. Well, it's describing these things as identities or as caricatures of who we are. So this is how it works. We say, you know, you know myself, I'm, you know, a, a white male, um, senior pastor, whatever it is, father, and I create a, a caricature of myself and I say, this is who I am, and you're that, and who you are is different than me. 
Now, as soon as I put my identity in that caricature, I'm sure to divide myself against others. Well, you're not like me. I can't trust you. I don't know who you are. As soon as, who, uh, as, soon as the different qualities of who I am become an identity, they become divisive. Haven't you noticed this? That when you see people who create this kind of persona of who they are, it becomes a barrier, doesn't it? To getting to know them and to be able to relate to them because you're not like me. You're, you, know, you have a different culture. You have uh, a different personality. Whatever it is, uh, these differences divide us when they become a caricature or an identity. When differences become identities, whether it's our ethnicity, our class, slave or free, um, whether it's our gender, or uh, it goes on in this passage to talk about our gifts and callings, they will always divide. We can see this inside of the church, where we have a, let's say, you know, I, let's say I have a gift of teaching. You can decide after this <laughs> sermon whether that's true or not. Let's say that it does pretend that I have a gift of teaching. Well, then you're a prophet. So you're, you know, you have the gift of prophet. So you're different than me. And uh, if I put my identity in being a teacher, then your prophetic gifting or your evangelistic gifting is going to be a threat to me because my identity, who I think I am, is a teacher. And so if I'm around people who aren't like me, that's threatening to me. I'm X and you're Y. So this now, you may think, well, is this really a big deal? Well, this is actually the problem that's addressed in chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. It's the problem. What identities do is they create either insecurity or pride. Look at how it's described in verse 15 in terms of insecurity. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. So what happens sometimes is that we look at others and they're different than us. And we go, I don't fit in here. They're all a particular culture. They have a, a certain way of talking. They have a certain set of values that are foreign to me. I don't know how to fit in. So am I really a part of the body because of my differences? If I put my identity in my differences, then when I see somebody who's different than me, I get insecure and I feel like I don't fit in. We can feel like this in terms of, um, in terms of our ethnicity. Uh, you know, people can, well, when we used to meet, uh, all was in, in one place, and, and hopefully we're going to be doing that again uh, soon. You know, you can walk in the door of the church, and you can see, you know, there's Filipinos and uh, Chinese and some white people, whatever it is, whatever the, the, the demographic mix is. And you can go, oh, no, I don't belong here. I'm not, I don't look like them. I come from a different culture. And so if our identity is in our ethnicity or our culture, then we'll actually divide ourselves from other people because we feel like we just don't fit in. It's a big deal, isn't it? Or if you're, uh, you know, or if you, have a certain economic bracket and you're perhaps really poor or really wealthy 
and you come in and you, and you look at who else is around you and you go, oh, well, these aren't my people. Um, I'm blue collar and they're white collar. I, I, you know, I don't really fit here. Well, can you see how those differences, if we make our identity those differences, then we feel like we don't fit and we end up dividing ourselves. Uh, even worse is what we find in verse 21. It says, the eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. What can happen is if we put our identity in our differences, we actually can get a form of pride where we say, well, I'm, I'm blue collar, I'm white collar, I'm this ethnicity, I have these gifts and these talents, and you don't. And so I don't know how to relate to you because I have kind of a superior skill set or, or I think that my, my background and my culture is somehow better than yours. These are the problems that are addressed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And the problem, now hear me now, the problem is not that people in the Corinthian church or in our church, the problem is not that we're different. We're going to get to the next moment. You'll see how actually beautiful that is. The problem is not differences. The problem is when we make those differences our identity. And then we end up creating a caricature of ourselves that is different than the caricature that we create of other people. And this creates huge tension and dramatically undermines togetherness. We see this happening in society, don't we? Where uh, people reduce themselves and reduce others to a set of caricatures, whether it's ethnic or gender or class or a particular set of values. And then because I'm different than you, I need to separate myself from you in order to maintain and promote my identity. You're a threat to me. And so we watch inside of our society a disintegration of our society because we create these caricatures of one another and we put our identity in our uniqueness. So here's the point. To beware of titles and talents. Beware of that. You know, I can, uh, I can say, I'm the, I'm the senior pastor of, of Every Nation Church Vancouver. I can promise you that the moment I make that my identity, I will, be, I will love you less because I'll, I'll be wanting to maintain my uniqueness and my position. And so I need to guard myself and make sure that nobody else tries to be a pastor. And, you know, and I feel threatened if, if somebody tries to encroach on who I am and, and undermine that. As soon as I create an identity out of the unique part that I have in the body of Christ, it will become uh, dangerous and divisive. You know, I even, I mean, you'll think this is silly, but um, so I have a doctoral degree and, and it's called a doctor of ministry. Now, uh, the most common doctoral degree is called a PhD. And uh, the difference between a, a, a doctor of ministry, a D-min and a PhD is uh, the D-min is a practical degree. It's kind of like your, um, your physician. The medical doctor that you go and see has a practical degree. The other kind of degree is a research degree. And so 
you'd have a, a medical doctor, but if you had a PhD, then you would be doing research in biology or chemistry or something. So it's a, it's a research degree. Now, um, in academic circles, a PhD uh, looks more valuable than a DMIN does. <laughs> you think this is like, who cares, right? Well, this is the world that I'm in. And, uh, and so that, you know, I'll talk to somebody in that world and they go, what's your PhD? And I go, well, it's not a demon. And they go, oh. And I immediately feel judged. And I immediately get insecure. And out of that insecurity, I'll want to go, well, you know, it's a practical degree. I, I could have done a PhD. I just didn't want to. You know, it's not like I'm not able to. I just didn't want to because I wanted to serve our church. And I thought this is a And I, can you hear me um, justifying my identity? Isn't that horrible? It's just horrible. But as soon as I put my identity in a degree or in a position or in a certain skill set or talent, whatever it is, ethnicity, it doesn't matter. Whatever I put my identity in outside of Jesus Christ, it becomes divisive. And so we need to, uh, to protect ourselves from putting our identity in these kinds of things. So what's the solution? Is to make Jesus your Lord. This is what Pastor Tim preached on in, uh, in verse 3, that the Spirit of God, now this is so profound, the Spirit of God enables us to say Jesus is Lord. And he was very clear that it's not just being able to say the words, that there's, it's a confession of the heart. Well, the Spirit of God, this is, this is amazing. The Spirit of God enables us to die to our false identities and find our worth and value in, being, in, in, in surrendering to Jesus Christ as Lord. And unless the church builds its culture and uh, togetherness on the supremacy of Christ, we will always divide. Always divide. There's only, there's only one uh, identity, as it were, that allows unity occur, to occur. And it's not a human identity in our uniqueness. It's in worshiping Jesus Christ as Lord. If we have one faith, one Lord, one baptism. It's the, it's the unity of being in Christ that is what unifies us and bonds us together. So uh, do you, this is the question I want to ask you, do you let the Holy Spirit wash you of your identities? Have you, do you, on a, I, I don't think it happens just once. Do you, let the Spirit of God cleanse you of the impurities that don't allow us to be together? Do you allow him to, to cleanse you of those things that make you feel insecure or proud? A caricature of yourself or of others that don't allow you to join. If you think that you're of an ethnicity, that there's not a lot of other people in our church that are the same ethnicity, and so you feel excluded, the Holy Spirit is here to cleanse you of that. How does he cleanse you? By letting that uh, subordinate identity die and allowing you to confess Jesus is Lord. And that is the one identity 
that, uh, that becomes the defining factor of who we are. So the first thing that the Spirit of God does is enable us to be unified, to confess together that we all worship and serve one Lord, and that our identity is not in our uniqueness, but is in our common worship of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's number one. What is the second thing that uh, the Spirit of God empowers us to do in order to be together? Well, here's the grand irony. Is he then, first he unifies us, and then he diversifies us. I mean, it's just like we just spent a whole bunch of time saying how, you know, unhealthy that can be. Well, it's the very next thing that the Spirit of God does. Once, we're, once we've died to those identities, he then says, he then brings his Spirit to actually create diversity. It says in verse 14, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, every one of them, every one of you, every one of you, um, just as he wanted them to be. As critical as it is that we place our, uh, our identity in the Lord Jesus Christ, as critical as that is, we need to receive the uniqueness with which God has made us. Now you can see in the church how difficult this is. It feels like there's some churches that really value unity. And if that's all we ever value, then it kind of becomes conformity and we're all the same and look the same. And then there's not really any need for all of us to be there because we're just clones of one another. Other churches really value diversity, but then we're so diverse and being distinguished that there is no unity. The work of the Spirit is the ability to maintain a unity inside of a diversity. Why is a diversity so important? Because differences make us need one another. Now, I've, I've told the story before. Uh, when Debbie and I were first married, there was a, uh, somebody who was prophetically gifted prayed over us, and I remember him laying his hands on both of our shoulders, and he, you know, he's listening to the Spirit of God. And then the first thing out of his mouth is, there is no people uh, more different than the two of you. Debbie <laughs> and I looked at each other. Oh, that's great. Like, that's a little discouraging. But of course, it's beautiful. Because the idea is, if both of you are the same, then one of you isn't needed. But it's actually because of our diversity that we can be a blessing to one another. This is the beauty of the, uh, of the body of Christ is that because you're different than me, because you have a different gender, ethnicity, class, gift, calling, whatever it is, your differences are, are, are now uh, are heightened in importance to me because I'm not that. So I need you because you're different. Only in our insecurity do we need everybody to be the same. But as we die to our identities, be unified in Christ, we're then freed up to be unique. And when we're unique, we have something very valuable to contribute to the body of Christ. That the, the hand is valuable because it's not the shoulder. And now each part has value because of differences. Um, and not only do we need others, 
but people actually need us. That just like there's a, a you know, we each have a unique th- thumbprint. Uh, uh, each of us has something unique to contribute to the body of Christ. This is my fear. My fear is that many of you uh, listening to this have undervalued the unique contribution that you make to our church family, or if you're from another church family, to that church family. I have a feeling that, that many of you undervalue just how critical and essential the uniqueness that you bring to this church family is, is all about. Um, it's indispensable. I remember, I, I, again, I've told this story, uh, I think, a while ago. But one of the first um, Filipinos to our church was Sheila Zipigan. And I remember she, uh, she came to church through Bev Sandrup, who's now uh, Bev Lamar. And um, uh, there, uh, uh, from, from my recollection, she was one of the first uh, Filipinos who came to our church. And for sure, the first that stayed. And she's still with us today. Now, can you imagine how difficult that would have been for her to be the first of something in a, in a church? Back then, we were a super white church. <laughs> and uh, I am forever indebted to her for paying the price for being unique that paved the way now for uh, one of the most vibrant uh, communities in our church is the Filipino community. And if it wasn't for that community, we would be so much less than who we are. Forever indebted, not just to her, but to everyone who, is, who has come afterwards. Who we are is, is because of your contribution. But you can imagine that uh, when you're the first of something or when you feel like you're an, you're an outsider, it takes the spirit of God, doesn't it? To stay and to not exclude ourselves because of our differences, but to actually realize that our differences make us necessary in the body. So what is the challenge of any family, of any church, and I would say of any nation, is to keep our differences from becoming identities. Let me say that again. The challenge that you and I have, that any uh, organization has, whether it's a family, a church, a nation, doesn't matter, is that the the grand danger is to make sure that our differences, which are essential, don't become identities. The moment I put my identity in being the senior pastor, I stop being a servant. I stop being helpful. As soon as I put my identity in any unique part of who I am, uh, that's, that's not helpful. But here's the idea. We don't erase our identities because then we would no longer be diverse, right? So what do we do? We use them for love. Here's the grand contrast of today. Our differences, God gave us, the Spirit of God has made us different, not to create our identity, but to enable us to love God and others. Uh, One of my favorite pictures of, uh, of what the gifts of the Spirit are in the body of Christ is uh, if you can view the church as kind of a prism. 
And as the white light of his spirit hits the church, it refracts into a rainbow of color. Isn't that beautiful? One spirit manifesting himself in a diversity of gifts because there's no way that any one of us could ever capture the fullness of who God is. And so he created us diverse. Our identity is not in being a blue or red or, or yellow. Our, our identity is in Christ. But when our identity is in Christ, now it's beautiful that we're red, blue, yellow, brown, whatever the color is. Now it just becomes beautiful and essential in reflecting the glory of God through the church. This is why uh, the next chapter in, in 1 Corinthians is chapter 13, the, the chapter of love. That as we talk about our, our differences, the only way that they will stay as a blessing to us and others is if they're bathed in love, motivated by love. So let's, uh, let's conclude this. Um, if you've taken any psychology, you might be familiar with a, um, with a diagram. It's called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it, it'll come up on the screen. There's a pyramid, and at the, it, it's a, there's a hierarchy that uh, Maslow is saying, Abraham Maslow is saying, that, that all human beings have. And it starts off really good. Our most basic need is, is, is physiological. Uh, you know, eating is super helpful, right? Eating and drinking, so that's the base. And then on top of that is safety. That's a, that's a core need. Once we're full, we need to be safe. Makes sense. And then comes belonging. Uh, the word that, that we talk about in our church a lot of is security. We need a place to belong. We need a family. Everybody needs that. And then on top of that, he uses the word esteem. We use the word significance. That we need to, to have something unique that we contribute to that community. That's the differences that we've been talking about today. So it sounds pretty good. And then it gets to the very peak. And what Maslow says is the, is the highest need, not the deepest need, but the highest need that, uh, that humanity has is he calls self-actualization. Now, I, I'm, I'm sure that there's lots of, of, of meaningful and true reasons for why he puts that word at the top. But I don't think that should be the word. It should be love. That what we need more than anything else is, uh, is to live in the love of God. And it's him that defines us. And it's his love that shapes us and makes us truly human. So uh, in our society, People are running around trying to be self-actualized. They're trying to find a career. They're trying to find a, uh, a life partner, perhaps. Um, the car that they choose, where they live, we're all being self-actualized, self-fulfilled, self-made. And if that is your ambition, then you really don't need the Holy Spirit, do you? Um, any power will do. But if we want to be people of God's love, then we need the power of the Holy Spirit. And he becomes thoroughly unique in transforming our hearts and minds to be people who reflect the love of God.
So let me ask you in closing then, will you use your differences for love? Will you lay down using your differences to divide you? But will you use your differences for love? The Holy Spirit will empower you to do that. Will you need and honor others? In, uh, in verse 24 of 1 Corinthians 12, it says, But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. In, um, in Philippians chapter 2, it says, In humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. Uh, will you uh, need and honor others? Will you look at a different ethnicity in our church family, a different gender, a different class of person, a different gifting, a different calling? And will you look and say, I need you? More than that, I choose to honor you above myself. I choose, that's the, that's the basis of the foundation of love is I'll choose to honor you for your differences, not try to control you, not try to make you like me, but I'll actually need you because you're not like me. Can you see how this is a work of the spirit? There's no way that we can pull this off inside of our human flesh. Uh, we always, we always, uh, you know, other authors will describe this as idolatry, where we always make idols of, of us and of who we think we are. And God comes along through his spirit to liberate us from our false identities, to proclaim Jesus as Lord, and then to create a diversity inside of that unity that gives each one of us, each one of us, dignity, honor, and significance. So let's pray together and ask that God would do this inside of our hearts. Holy Spirit, thank you for saving us. Thank you for baptizing us, for washing us clean of all that would divide us. And as we see in this chapter, the things that divide us would be those differences. Oh, Father, would you en enable us to not find our identity in what makes us different? Because that always divides, whether it's insecurity or pride. Always, Father, set us free from those false identities. Give us the grace to find our identity in Jesus Christ, that he is our Lord and he is the one who would unite us. And then Father, in that worship of your son, would you give us the freedom to be different? Would you liberate us from a conformity that stifles and judges and divides? Would you liberate us to be a people that honors diversity, that values uniqueness. That we could together better reflect the beauty and glory of who you are. Father, we cry out for your spirit to unify us and then to diversify us. That your name would be praised. In Jesus' name. Amen. Oh,